Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody sing along. Yes, we're back. Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour number 14. I am Steve Witchell in New Orleans. And I am Tony Bynard coming to you from NJ. What's up, Tony? What's up, up, brother? (laughs) Welcome back. From your vacation, uh, we yeah. had we had a cover band Central Wisdom Hour vacation, but you had an actual vacation. I had an actual vacation down the beach, built an epic sandcastle, enjoyed time with family, and it was outstandingly excellent. I'm going to have to put a link to the picture of that sandcastle in with the uh, with this uh, the show liner notes after we're done because you say epic. Sandcastle, and nobody really knows how to picture that. But I saw the picture, and that thing was epic. I mean, took art. about an hour and twenty minutes to build. Early in the morning, uh, been doing it for about fifteen years since my kids were little. And then when they were real young, we would build it. And as I was building it, they would keep asking me, "When can we wreck it?" So we would, you know, we'd build it, and then we'd take pictures of it, and then we'd wreck it. Then as they got older, and we built it together. Uh, you know, we built a moat around it to collect the water, um, but always a good conversation piece for the beach. You know, when you're hanging out and, you know, by the sandcastle with your chair, drinking an alcoholic beverage in a solo cup, and people come up and, you know, random people want to take pictures, or can my kid take a picture? Can you take a picture of me with my kid in front of it? And it's just it's cool. You know, it's it was a good time. I had a really good vacation. Yeah, that was really, uh, that's really a, a great piece of beach art that you constructed uh very impressive but not surprising knowing you oh, well thanks dude i always try to overachieve when possible yes it's a beautiful thing um all right so we are live hey how was your 12, 12 on, uh, um yes i did uh the reason we didn't um do a, a podcast for the last couple of weeks was one because you were on vacation then when you came back i was in the mid middle of 12 nights in a row gigging um which uh was completed on sunday so i've had uh last night off and tonight off and then i get right back to it tomorrow but uh it was uh i wouldn't call it epic like your sandcastle but it was uh it's a marathon you have to uh you have to have a lot of endurance man for for that and 
you know, it's not something that everybody can do. And it's something that I question why I'm choosing to do it sometimes. Because <laughs> it, it just takes a lot of energy. It really, and, and your day has to be kind of centered around that, the, the fact that you have a gig. Um, and, uh, you know, 12 days in a row of not having just a night to kind of catch up on other things. It, uh, it, makes, it makes life uh, busy, which is a good thing. I like being busy. Um, well, I was reading that Maiden was just on tour. They did like 240-something shows in the course of, you know, the, a year and a half on the road. And it was like, you know, a couple of nights back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, then a night off, then back-to-back, back, then a night off. You know, and it was, you know, 242 shows uh, in a year and a half of that high-energy, you know, Maiden. That, that's impressive. You know, and those guys are not young anymore, and they were... They were full high energy, and you know they're still doing it. Yeah, th- that's what I was going to say too. They have a lot of energy. That band, um, uh, you know, Steve Harris is always all over the stage. Dickinson's always all over the stage. The guitar players are always very animated, and um, and uh, Nico, Nico McBrain, is a very physical drummer. Um, and it's funny because where I was sitting, you can see backstage. Like when the guys come off, there's like a dude waiting with a bathrobe for Nico. He puts a bathrobe on immediately, puts his flip flops on, you know, wanders off, and Bruce Dickinson changes outfits a bunch of times. And you know, he runs behind the curtain, and they're giving him drinks and water, and it was pretty cool. Nice. Now, that is impressive. Um, but and not to take anything away from Iron Maiden. But they're not getting up there and doing three hours straight of playing, um, which is what I was doing basically every night. We get a break. We get a half-hour break, so I guess it's not three hours straight. Um, you know, so I'm not saying I'm better than me. <laughs> Sounds like you might be saying that you're familiar with the endurance required to be great. Yes, that's what exactly what I'm saying. It does take a lot. It just it that was the whole point of this. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy out of you, um, and especially right now. It's August here in uh, New Orleans, and it's not a very busy time for us, um, especially on the weekdays. So you have to go out. You still have to do your show. You still have to perform, um, even if there's only five people in the room. And in many cases, there were five or less in the room. Um, sometimes none. <laughs> in the room except for the staff so you still have to do your thing and that's sort of exhausting i, I actually i i have more energy and get less tired when it's busy when the room is packed and i you know i'm really the, the adrenaline is a lot higher so uh you know it's that's that's uh that makes a big difference you feed off your the crowd the crowd feeds off of you oh yeah so um so, uh, all in all, yeah, it was cool. You know, it, it was no major problems, no major cool, uh, cool thing. A couple things that I jotted down about it on Saturday, play at the Crazy Corner, and we normally have a six piece, which includes a guitar player and a keyboard player, bass, uh, drums, and two vocalists. And uh, uh, Saturday, we did not have the keyboard player, so we had a, another guitar player come in, so we had a two guitar band for the night, which is rare here. And the, both of the guitar players I've played with a lot, but never played with them both at the same time. And they're both really good. Um, they both know the show very well that we do, and they know how to play off each other, especially in the two guitar songs. They knew who who was going to take which part. They communicated that like effortlessly on stage, seamlessly. And uh, 
it was really exciting. It was really fun. It, it, that sound when you have two guitars and they complement each other, um, it's it's a really cool thing to have um, if you don't have keyboards. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. What was uh, what was one of your fondest memories of the Twelve Nights? What was one of the highlights? Uh, that was probably one of the biggest highlights. Um, and uh, there was another night at the Swamp um, where um, a bunch of uh, one of our guitar players' friends showed up, and they were all musicians, and they got to come up on stage uh, at various times during the course of the night, and we played some songs that we normally wouldn't play, songs that I've never played, um, and uh, that was cool. That w- I, I always enjoyed that, too. That makes the time go by quicker when uh, you're, you're challenged on stage with songs that you've never played and people you've never played with or never even met. So that's a lot of fun. I always enjoy that. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was it for, for highlights for that period of time. But, uh, but that's cool, man. It was 12 nights, and it wasn't, like, you know, mundane or the same, or, you know, you say it a blast every night. Yeah, it's always different um, no matter what. You could be playing in the same room with the same exact band, playing the same exact songs, and it's still going to be different. Um, just as the nature of life. And that makes it fun. Very cool, very cool. Yes. Um, so I'm trying to see. We are live on the page, on Coverband Central page on Facebook, and also in the group. And I wanted to tell you about this, dude. I, I know you're not on Facebook, so, um, but you know that, that we have both a page and a group for Coverband Central. The differences are the page is... Uh, is run by me essentially, um, and any any content on the page is is done by an admin, uh, is placed posted by an admin. Whereas the group is the community, and uh, the community can post on the wall and post anything that they, that they like, um, and other people can participate in their posts by commenting or liking or sharing. And um, there's been uh, about. A thousand new people in the group over the last week, and I start. I started this page over or the group in May of 2014, so three years ago. And um, the the total in the group is about nine thousand one hundred something right now, um, and a th- about yeah. a thousand of those about a thousand of those, those people have come in the last week, so it's really growing like huge now and it's and people are are posting things posting questions to other musicians about something related to music playing music being a musician whatever and other people are chiming in and and people have been giving great feedback and it's all been really positive and encouraging people are sharing each other's pages uh, sharing each about each other's bands and stuff and it's it's finally the community that i envisioned when i started it and it hadn't been that for you know, most of the last three years. Um, so I'm really stoked about that, man, seeing people actually taking this and using it for something positive and helpful for each other. Um, you know, in the beginning, people were just kind of posting their gigs. Hey, we're playing here, or here's our page. or And the, while that's okay, it doesn't. it's not really reaching the right audience. So right now, the audience that's using um, the, the group is really, uh, they got it. They got it down now. So I'm digging it. Awesome. Yeah. Just by coincidence, we start Wisdom Hour, and uh, people are flocking. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if it's because of us. 
<laughs> I don't really know what what triggered it either. Um, I you know I'd have to go back and really kind of study it how everything happened in order, but it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Somebody else kind of just started this wave of these really good questions to ask each other and yeah and a, and a lot of uh, and all positivity um i say all there was some guy well, i think it was a week ago that came in it was just like trashing cover bands trashing um people who play covers and it got into a long thread of people yelling at each other and i didn't know about it until somebody emailed me personally and said hey you know this guy's a uh, just being verbally abusive and, and I, I'm going to get out of this group. And I'm like, well, wait, what are you talking about? So he sent me the thing and I just deleted it, which I have the power to do. Um, I yes. just deleted the whole <laughs> thing. But so that was the only negative thing, but everybody's been really, really cool and positive in the group. So I'm psyched about that. Well, that's awesome because it's organic, you know what I mean? And it, it develops on its own. Like you said, you know, other people pose questions and then the community gets involved and everyone starts talking about it and then it spurs an interest and a spark and then people want to contribute because, you know, everyone has a myriad of stories and information to share with each other, you know? And like you said, organically, it just grows and uh, expands, like you said, just from the, the energy of the people that are feeding it. It's, it's powerful stuff. It's very cool. Yeah. And the fact that that was really my original intention for this group and it didn't really manifest until now, three years later, um, just kind of goes to show that you need to really stick to your guns and believe in yourself, even if there's no evidence to show you in front of you. Just stick to your vision, stick to your principles, and your follow your gut and trust yourself and be yourself. And and uh, and all those these things will come into fruition, but on, on the universe's timetable, not yours. Right. And people, you know, end up giving up on their dream or they abandon ship, you know, when they're so close to having the success that they work so hard for. You know, you just got to hang in there till it happens. And like you said, believe, you know, the belief is the most important thing. Yes. Yes. Um, and so another thing I want to tell you about, this is a thing that was pretty cool. And I want everybody to hear about this, too. Um, I got an email last week from this woman who says she was a producer, uh, a television producer and um she had worked on a, a show called the x factor um some years ago which was a yeah, music I remember this, yeah, you know, yeah music singing show um and uh she said um, i'm starting this new show on youtube i'm the producer and i would like to have you share you know some of our promo videos on your page and i i get emails like that from time to time um where people want something me to do something for them um and I always take it seriously. I always respond quickly and politely. Um, so I asked her to just send me the links. And she sent me her IMDb thing to show me the, the TV show she's produced. So I knew she was legit. And uh, uh, links to these videos. And, and it's promoting the show called Best Cover Ever on YouTube. It's going to be a YouTube show. And uh, p people can um, submit entries just by filming a YouTube video of you playing a cover song one cover song, but the, you have to pick from four cover songs that they offer. Um, and if you win, you get to perform with some of the artists. And one of them is Keith Urban. Um, the other, another one was DNCE. Um, and executive producer of the show is Ryan Seacrest from American Idol and other things. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I, I watched the first promo video as Ryan Seacrest. I'm like, okay, wow, this is something that could be actually a big deal and uh, be really good for me and for Cover Band Central. 
Um, so I went back and forth with her in emails um, for a few days and uh, nothing. We didn't come to any sort of agreement yet, but I, I think that's something that in the future could be uh, we could be a very big part of or vice versa. They could be a very big part of us because there's no other thing on the Internet that has this concentrated um, audience of like minded people that are cover band musicians than cover band central it's it, there's nothing else like it on the internet and now 80,000 we hit we just surpassed 80,000 people last week yeah um, so uh you know a year and a half ago or not even a year and a half ago it was 16,000 it's 80,000 now um so uh, 100,000 right around the corner and this is and again my original vision for all this was for it to be huge i want this to be on a like a big on a national level or on a uh, international level because there's people from all over the world on here um and really reach out to all the musicians all over the world i want this to be the biggest thing on the internet for musicians <laughs> that's my lofty goal so yeah. you know i keep moving forward and it will be it has to be as long as like you said as long as you believe it and you stick with you keep moving forward even little baby steps that's it. Little steps equal, you know, long distance journeys. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, those are the cool, uh, Caravan Central updates that I have for you and for everyone. Very nice, dude. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, we had a couple things we wanted to talk about. So what do you want to get to first? Do you want to do the funny first? <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just bang through this. So I said, okay. so you, you had posted a question on yeah. the, uh, on the site saying I, like, you know, what yeah. the most embarrassing thing has happened to you at a gig, right? Yeah. I, I like putting questions up like this every once in a while on the page just to get, cause everybody usually participates on in this and it's funny how honest people are with this big community and some of the stuff that has happened is funny. So the question I put is what is the most embarrassing thing that has happened to you or you have done on stage? And so we went through, just went through a bunch of them, and I believe you bookmarked some that were uh, worthy of repeating. I did. So reading through it, there's a there was a ton of, um, you know, people getting knocked out, banging into each other, shit getting fallen over, a lot of falling off the stage, you know, jumping onto tables that they thought was part of the stage that then collapsed and they fell, or people running and slipping and falling. So a lot of slip and falls and a lot of stuff like that. But here's, here's a few that, that stood out when I was reading through, okay? So I'll just run them down real quick. So Lee Anthony New writes, within 10 minutes of turning up to a wedding gig, I kicked a small child across the dance floor, watched by the assembled and horrified guests. It was a total accident, of course. Couldn't see him sitting there when I was carrying in one of the big sub speakers. Great way to make an entrance. <laughs> so a guy comes blazing in with a sub and his kid look is sitting on the floor and he punts him across the dance floor. <laughs> he punts. That, that's that, See, I just picture it's like the little, you know, the cute little kid in the little baby tuxedo, and he's dressed all nice, and, yeah. and it, like his his mom dressed him and like licked back his hair, and he's all, you know, and then he just gets booted. It becomes like a rugby move, you know, boom, and he's coming across the floor. That's just uh, too uh, funny, man. Here we go, Jack Jack Polis or Police. I was playing one night, and there was a side door on my side of the stage. My guitar player pushed me. I lost balance and put my hand onto the door to stop myself from falling. It wasn't closed all the way, and it opened, and I fell out onto the sidewalk. That's great. I think everybody can relate to that feeling when you're trying to lean on something, and it just it, it doesn't it doesn't have any resistance. Exit stage left. <laughs> right. uh, here's one. Kevin Anderson. Kept hearing a loud popping sound over the PA. Couldn't figure out what it was. All connections good. 
Turns out I was drunk and unknowingly rocking back and forth, hitting my head on the <laughs> microphone. See, that's kids why you don't drink too much alcohol at work when you're on stage. It was also a lot of those, too. There was also a lot of uh, alcohol-related uh, things, you know? But like I said, these are just some of the ones I pulled quick. Here was one. Uh, playing in a bar owned and operated by a bunch of Harley enthusiasts. Tough crowd. Guitarist figures he'd get them going by suddenly veering off the set list and rips into the intro of Born to be Wild. We had never played or even rehearsed the tune. Drummer and other guitarists are total deer in the headlights. But everyone finally catches up to the guitar just before the first verse. At this point... The singer leans into his mic and nothing. The dude forgot the opening get your motor running lyric. Oh, no. Crowd collectively moans and yells a manner of all obscenities. I thought we were all going to die. At the end of the night, the bar owner pays us and said it was the funniest damn thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's great. You know, it, it's funny because people talk about owners and managers and, and sometimes they're ruthless or jerks or whatever. But the fact that the owner who paid the band just found the humor in it and instead of getting mad about it or anything um that's that shows that sometimes uh owners and managers are cool people oh here was another one dude lynn ramsey right band leader starts i shot the sheriff at a benefit for a fallen policeman Ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> band not abruptly end the song either they played it through in, in its entirety that is that's the one that's the winner that takes the cake i mean how do you was it i wonder if it was in this did they write a set list or did they just hey what do you guys want to do okay let's i want yeah hard to say but that that's a good one um, right, can i can i read one of the can i read the moth one because <laughs> i don't know if you're going to make it through without laughing all the way through yeah yeah i have i have i have um let me see i have i have two more and then you can read the moth one okay this one quick uh paul brown didn't really embarrass me, but he did laugh my ass off. Working with a country band several years ago, and we finished the first set. The singer rhythm guitar player takes off his $800 Gibson over his head and sticks the headstock into a low-hanging <laughs> low ceiling fan above him. He can't see it because of the ridiculous, really large cowboy hat he has on. <laughs> can't figure out what's happening. Then, end of the second set, he does the same thing all over again. Oh, That's no. all. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> That's crazy. This is another good one here. I know, what it's, I know what it feels like to um, to stick, like to get caught. You ever get your hand caught in a ceiling fan, or or uh, or like a broom? <laughs> you ever like <laughs> you ever sweep in the floor and get your? Has that ever happened to you? No, no, that's uh, happened to me. But I've seen Steve, my guitar player, uh, fall, you know, on the ground and was leaned back and had a floor fan that the cover fell off and his elbow was. <laughs> You know, pushing into the fan blade. He was sustaining injury from it. Oh. Um, here's one more before you tell the moth one. Right. So, last Danielson had a few beers before the show and a couple during the show. I know, not a smart move. As time went by, nature made its call. But this is not easy to fix from behind the drums, especially when the restrooms are at the other end of the venue. Things were getting pretty urgent. And in desperation, during the long start of a slow song without drums, I grabbed an empty Miller Light bottle and tried to fix the problem. Still sitting on the drum throne. Yes, guys, sitting with only the zipper down and trying to get the damn thing out. Now I'm no John Holmes, but the bottleneck is pretty small. And trying to squeeze in that bottle in the dark with immense pressure from the inside, as well as the pressure to get it done before the song starting, ended up in me pissing on my floor tom, on my hands, and most ah! of the floors. <laughs> to awful. top it off, I dropped the bottle, and of course the, all the guys saw ah! this, which ended up as the band joke for years. 
pretty embarrassing as well. Wow. That's rough, man. He says pretty embarrassing at rig downtime as well, meaning when he had to pack up all his stuff, it was all covered in urine. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. enjoyable. I wonder if it was a carpeted stage or if, uh, or if it was a wood floor. Or, or if he had his own rug. If he's, oh, yeah, if he had his own rug, which most drummers do. Well, I remember playing a gig with my drum rug, and it was in a we were set up in a garage. It was pouring rain outside, uh, so we were undercover, and they had a tent set up, and all well, the crowd was outside, and they had behind us the keg, and all of the beer and the shot luge and everything, and the garage is pitched, you know, out, so everything runs away. So over the course of the night, the tub that the keg was in was leaking, and the beer was spilling all over the place, and it was making a, a beer river right through the center of my drum set. So wow. like the width of like, you know, two, three feet wide, straight from behind me, right down out the front of the kit and out the garage. So the end of the night, I just rolled up the rug and I left it on the curb for the garbage the next day because the thing was just saturated with beer and there was no way I was putting it in my car or, or even taking it home, you know? Right. That's good. Um, but you, you know, rap, you can you can tell the Yeah, point. well, I wanted to expound on the, the having to pee on while you're on stage thing too. Um because that's a thing like that I that I never really had to deal with before um, in bands I played in Jersey or anything because it's always it was always like a forty five minute set or fifty minute set and you, had, you get a break or an hour set you you get a break and usually sure. you know in most cases you can go an hour without having to go to the bathroom but here we'll do you know three sets in a row which is you know two hours and fifteen minutes with no break. So sometimes people got to pee. And that's a thing that we have, like almost have a system for like what song is going to be played, who's going to, you know, jump in on the other instrument. But, but then again, sometimes there's other musicians in the room and you'll be like, Hey, can you come up and play bass for this song? So I can go take a piss. Um, so (laughs) that's, and that's like a regular thing in my life that happens, you know, every night, um, not just with me, but with other people in the band, so it's like, and it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic of of this whole thing that this whole New Orleans Bourbon Street scene. Um, anyway, would it right. be easier just to put on a, a pair of Depends and just let <laughs> yeah. it? Rip? Yeah, I guess, or just do what this guy did. And, and but instead of trying to s- stick your willy into the bottle, get a funnel. You know, like a funnel with a like hard. Um, there you go. Or get a Gatorade bottle or something with a big, you know, opening on the top. Yeah, yeah. Something that would be good. I like the funnel idea. Because the funnel idea, you can actually do it from a distance because you can kind of aim to the funnel. And, uh, well. Yeah, or if you had a big, like, two-gallon Gatorade bottle, you could fill it up and then be like Guar at the end of the night and just throw it on the crowd. Ah. See so, yeah, how that comes over. Uh, I don't want to even think about that. Uh. <laughs> All right, so, uh. More embarrassing tales from uh, you musicians out there. Rita Harrington swallowed a moth. I'm a singer, drummer. I was in the middle of a tune. I could see the moth, but my hands were busy. It flew down my throat. It, I was sputtering and gagging. I could feel its wings flapping in my throat while singing. Stopping, <laughs> stop the tune. Tried to reach it with my fingers. It was too far down had to grab my water bottle, take a swig, and swallow the damn thing. The powder from the wings coated my throat, and it was another set before I could sing a note. Blah! That was years ago for Rita. Still gags her thinking about it. 
And you know what? When I read through the comments, there was another person that said the same thing, a singer that was in full-blown singing and with the mouth open and the moth flew in. <sighs> That's the... the the, so uh, happen. the dangers of playing out, outdoors, but that could happen indoors too. I've had gnats fly in my mouth, but never moths. Never anything is b- bigger than a gnat. Yeah, no moths. Right. So since we're reading other people's embarrassing stories, we're going to have to share our own. Uh, so I have one. Um, and it makes me cringe just thinking about it. And it's really not as bad as some of these, but just the fact that I did this to me is in... Um, I was playing in Bourbon Street. This was years ago, maybe four years ago or so. And um, a lot of us know each other at the various clubs, the, in the various bands. So sometimes, you know, after my gig, I'll go walk down the street and go see one of my friend's bands playing or in their, then go to another club and do the same thing. And oftentimes they will ask you to come up and jam. Just like I said, not necessarily because of a bathroom break needed, but just to be friendly. And so I was, I probably had a little too few many shots this night and uh went up to play at, at a club called the famous door and um one of the songs I, I i was playing uh one of the songs that they had me play was jump by van halen and i think it was the first song i played and i don't know if i played another song after this um so i'm standing on the stage the stage is elevated and there's a little about probably about an inch or two inch step i'd say about a two inch step from the main level of the stage to the back of the stage uh, where the drums are and where the bass player stands um so i'm wearing boots we're doing jump i'm a little drunk um and every the crowd is you know it's packed jam-packed everybody's into it so and i'm digging it so i decided when the chorus came and we shouted jump exclaimed jump i would jump just to you know be a a part of the whole party and I did it once, and like, oh, okay, cool, this is fun. And then I d- went to do it again the second time, and I was going to jump to the f- front part of that stage and, and drop down that two-inch little step. But mid-jump, I just changed my mind, and I thought it wasn't a good idea. So I tried to kind of, you know, like bionic man my way back to the, the that stage, and that, you know, wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to all of a sudden move backwards. So I hit the lip of the, the step and I fell flat on my ass. Um, and the, you know, the bass went bong, bong, you know, like completely, you know, <laughs> the middle of the song. And then you just hear like the bass crash to the ground and all the strings are ringing and, and, and I'm there like on my butt. And to my credit, after the, the, the loud bass rattling noise, I went, I kept playing the song while I was still on the ground and then worked my way back to standing while I was playing. Um, but yeah, a crowd full of people, man, and you're just, you're trying to be cool and then you just, boom. And with somebody else's bass in my hand, mind you. So that wasn't really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was very embarrassing at the time. And I'm happy to get it out there now. Now I feel so much better. I have a couple of quick ones I can do real quick, right? So Go ahead. I was playing a gig, and I had a video somewhere, too. And we used to do this thing sometimes where I would, you know, I, while I was playing, I would go over and, and hit the cymbal, and the, you know, the lead singer would, would choke it. You know, he'd grab it like as part of the act, right? So unbeknownst to I me, he's coming around the backside of the drums. I had a big, you know, big kit, so I was 
turned to the hi-hat side, and he was all over by the floor tom, kind of by the china. And it was a part where it was gaga, like a real loud china. And I didn't realize that he was over there, and he had bent over to reach into the stick bag to get a stick to hit cymbals with me. And I, you know, not looking, did the fill, and then went ja-ja, and I did it on his head with the oh. drums at, like, as hard as I could hit it. So I, like, clocked him in the head with, like, a, you know, with a, a Zildjian rock at the time stick, which is like a baseball bat, to very hard shots to where he had like a, a big egg on his head and had to put ice on it. So, Ouch. Because you know, if you're a drummer, you know somebody's like, you know, you you hit yourself with a stick. Like it's all, it's happened to everybody, you know, and it, it hurts. You know, it's like getting hit with a stick. And I mean, I was pounding. So I pounded his head with drumstick at like full force. Ouch. Uh, you know, and then it's needless to say, he, he walked away very quickly and abruptly and we didn't do the little symbol act thing because he was in the <laughs> And then uh, I got two more quick ones. Another time, same singer. We had rugs on the stage. We were cool with candles and stuff, you know what I mean? And we were doing a song, and he he was going to come running. He was, you know, we were starting the song, and he was getting a drink at the bar, and he came running back up onto the stage and was running up to get to the mic to start the song. And when he came running up as fast as he could, he went to stop. He he, he was on the rug, so the rug shot out like a magic carpet, and his feet went up over his head like beer flying, and he, like, landed hard on his back and got got pretty hurt, actually. Uh, And had to sit had to sit for a little while because he was he was injured, but uh, yeah, he went down hard. But probably the most embarrassing and best memory I have was I was playing with a band, Jetstar, years ago. Yeah, I was I was 18. They snuck me into the bar because drinking age was 21, and uh, we're, we're we're playing the song. And this girl, uh, her name was Faye, she kept saying, "You know, you got to play this song for me. You got to play this song for me." And I forget what song it was. It might have been. Uh, Mustang Sally or, or something to that effect. It was like a blues band. So not, the point of the night comes and everyone says, hey, man, you know, this song's for Faye. It's going out for Faye. And let's, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, she's been asking for the song all night. And, you know, where is she? Like, you know, she was here a minute ago. And she's not there. And some guy else, he goes, she's in the parking lot giving head. Oh, Jesus. So, <laughs> so you can imagine we start playing the song and then halfway through the song, she walks in from outside, and the band stops, and the entire bar is like standing over, and <laughs> all you know, chanting her name and stuff. And she has no idea what's going on or oh. why this is happening. You know what I mean? So that was that was pretty funny. That's rough, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess the falling down thing is the thing that most people experience <laughs> at some point. You know, the, the uh, and it, you can never do it smooth or cool or anything. It's always just awkward and and silly that's why it's funny i guess um, i think the greatest one i read is you ever see the picture of alex van halen where he's standing up on his drums and he's got his hands in the air with his two sticks and he's got the headband with the long thing you know so it's like a famous picture of him you know well he used to van halen at the end of their gigs he would stand up and he would throw the sticks and he would run up his drum set and jump off the riser like david lee roth style you know right and i read an article one time he said he was you know he gets done with the gig and he stands up and it's you know it's, it's a stadium he's in front of you know twenty thousand people and he gets up and he does that salute and he throws the sticks and he says he runs up his drums and he jumps off and his shoelace gets caught on the tom mount and he he proceeds to flip for face forward on onto the ground and pull his entire drum set down off the riser on top of him oh man wow but that would have been pretty cool to see because that would have been totally, uh, you know, a, a, that's not just like falling down a little bit. That's like, you know, jumping off the stage from like, you know, six feet up and then tumbling and taking the whole drum set with you. Yeah. 
he also burned himself because he used to put like lighter fluid on his floor toms and then light them on fire during I'm on fire, you know, to get that effect at the end. And he said that the guy put too much on and he lit it up and it was like up the side of his his shirt and stuff. He burned all his hair off his arm. Oh, man, that's dangerous. Yeah, mucho mucho dangerous. No bueno. He used to light the, the gong too behind him, didn't he? Yeah, yep. I remember those the video like Unchained or something. Uh, the video for that, or one of those, I think it was Unchained, right? Like at, at the end, he lights the gong on fire and he's like bashing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Pyrotechnics. Um, so yeah, good. so a lot of good, embarrassing stories. Again, thank you for everybody participating and admitting these things in public because it's uh, it's therapeutic though. Get it out there. And it's fun for everyone. We're all the same. We all experience things in different ways. We don't all sw- swallow moths or uh, get our guitar stuck in the ceiling fan. But so. well, it's all part of the journey, and it's all part of the fun, and it's all it makes the memories, you know. Yeah. Um. So I got an email. Um. It's probably a while ago now, a month or so ago, uh, from a guy, a Caravan Central fan, who wants to wanted to know about um, some of pointers that you could give for that we could give for people who work as subs or a fill-in player for a band and then also advice to uh, bands for how to deal with having a sub or how to find a sub and how to deal with it so there's a lot we can talk about there and you have a gig coming up with where you have two subs in your band correct yes correct i'm playing labor day weekend uh big beach party uh, down the shore and we have the two two fill-in guys because Steve can't do the gig. He's on a cruise with uh, his family, and he comes back the day after our gig. So, being that he's a, the sing, you know, lead singer, guitar player, uh, we have a fill-in lead singer and a fill-in guitar player. And what's cool about that is, you know, they are in their own band and they have their their own set list, and they have a ton of tunes, a lot of which we do, but some of which we don't do, but we're going to do. You know, so it's going to be a very eclectic set because it's going to be kind of a hybrid. Uh, and then they learned a bunch of tunes too uh, for the gig that that you know that none of us do currently, but we're going to do together, um, which will be you know it'll be a blast. So it should be fun. And again, they're they're pros. Uh, they live kind of you know far away from where we are, so there's no opportunity to rehearse. So we just circulate the set list, you know, show up prepared. Um, again, Steve usually does all the sound, you know, and all the uh, audio engineering. So this guy isn't. He owns a studio. The, the one sub, uh, I think it's the ba- the guitar player. So he's going to uh, run the board. Uh, he's also going to, he's familiar with the new board that we got, and he's going to, uh, you know, we're going to, it's the first outdoor gig we've actually played with the board, you know, in open air. So he's going to tweak the settings and then save it as a scene. So right. we'll have another preset in the board. Uh, and this should be a lot of fun. Like I said, it's going to be interesting on a lot of different levels, but uh, exciting to play with subs because it's different. You know, it's not the same as playing with your, you know, all the regular members of your band. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic and, uh, the non-rehearsing just show up and play thing is always, a you know, an interesting, uh, you know, leads to a lot of creative energy and a lot of, uh, you know, unexpected, uh, circumstances that, you know, you can be present to, which, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man, that it's exciting and interesting and different. And I love working as a sub. And I also love being in a band when there is a sub, um, because of the, just diving into that unknown. Um, and I've had to do it a lot. You know, I did it a lot really before I moved here. Um, and that's what kind of advanced 
my career at this to the point where I'm at to, to, to the point of being able to get where I am now was working as a sub a lot. And, you know, we talked about this before I, the way I met you was I was a sub for your band. And, uh, then I later asked to join. Um, and I got a lot, not to cut you off, but think back that night, right? I never met you before. We rapped for a little bit. You came up on stage, uh, you know, Half a dozen tunes in, you and I were clicked. We were locked. Yeah. You know, it was a great gig. It was, uh, there was, it was like we had played together for years. You know, that's worth exploring too, Tony. Because um, why is that? What what is it about that that made that be able to manifest? And, and I mean, I have a few ideas. It's like I, you know, I would go always go into playing a sub gig with excitement and and that that wonderment and that adventure and. And really just looking forward to the experience of it and having enough confidence in myself to know that I can do a good job regardless of the fact that I don't know these people, I've never played with these people, and just having that positive spirit. And I think that you do the same. So I think that there was a probably that under, you know unspoken understanding of that energy right away with, with both of us and, um, and mutual respect because I knew you know within a couple bars of the first song that you were a great drummer. So for me, it's easy. I, I, it puts me in a place where I feel like, okay, I can be myself. I can play like myself and this guy's going to get it. Um, and we're going to, we're going to lock in. So I, wh- how do, how do you think, you know, wh- what is your feeling on that sort of thing? <laughs> I, I think combination of all those things, um, rewind it to even earlier than that, right? Roll up, you're there. We set up, we have a rapport before we even play, you know, Hey, Steve, I'm Tony. Nice to meet you. We sit down, we rap a little bit, talk about some people that we know, you know, uh, mutual friends and just kind of hit it off a little bit. You know, we had a little rapport going, uh, had a beer, hung out for a little bit beforehand, you know, and then, uh, when it, like you said, when it came time to play, I mean, I'm in the situation with my band, so I'm, I'm comfortable, you know what I mean? And everybody that's in the band is, you know, we've played together for a while, so it's going to be for your sake, like you're playing along with a record, you know? It's not a bunch of subs, right. you're the only sub, but you're prepared, and like you said, the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement, and then from a couple of bars in, you know, mutual understanding and respect, like, wow, this guy's right in the pocket, he's right with me, he's got good feel, he's not rushing, um, you know, and then I think what that does is there's an instant connection. There's a, a, a comfortability there that manifests a creative element, you know, and you can channel and create and you're not in a, a place of anxiety. So I think that there's a lot of interaction that night. Like, you know, it's just one of those things that's meant to be kind of like it's, it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, I've played with a lot of subs and very few do I. I click with immediately like like you and I did, you know, but there was just an instant connection there. And it was almost like without us even knowing each other, we were both channeling the same energy on the same frequency, and we knew where the next person was going. Like, I remember we played Mr. Jones, right. and at the beginning, you know, when they're just strumming along, I was just doing random kick patterns, like, bam, 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 And somehow, you were right with me on those things, and we hadn't rehearsed it. It was totally off the cuff. It's not like that on the album at all. It was just a feel thing that was inspired in the moment and we were both there and I remember us like high-fiving each other and being like, yeah. yeah. And then after the first set, you know, we were, we were becoming great friends, uh, you know, yeah. and here we are today. But that, that's how I assess that. I think we were just on the same 
musical frequency and we were both very comfortable and it was just one of those those magical things where you're you have a connection like you know with anything sometimes the band is just firing on all cylinders and it's like a magical night it was just one of those evenings where everything was 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 going right right and that's why we do this isn't it to to really to reach those magic moments to get that that into that space of timelessness and and weightlessness and and all that 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 feeling is just it's it's unmatched with anything else and uh i mean yeah and to to have that happen when you're a sub um is just so much more that much more rewarding um but it, you know you made me think of a couple things when you were saying that uh, that adv- advice to give to people to be good at being a sub um something that i hadn't thought of but is obvious um you really want to know be confident in the material the songs you need to know the songs of all things that i would tell anybody who want to play covers whether as a hobby or profession knowing songs is number one in for everything knowing them right and knowing a lot of songs that is why i've gotten so much work because i know a lot of songs not only that i know like i've learned them i put the work in but i retain them um and that that will get you very very far so if be prepared you know when you go in to be a sub make sure you learn the material if if you are able to get the material ahead of time work on it learn it you know get to know their show go see them play if you can um with the regular bass uh, ba- regular player whoever whatever instrument it is um the and and you'll you'll go in confident but if it's in a case like with you and I with that first meeting where we had never met before we never rehearsed before i didn't get any sort of set list i just came in and it's like okay this is what we're doing <laughs> what do you know uh, and that happens a lot that's happened a lot to me um the best advice is to approach it the way you and i both would and and go in with a positive attitude go in and have fun no fear um don't worry about being judged don't judge anybody just go in and and have fun enjoy it um and, and no ego yeah, no ego. Like, uh, oh, yeah, well, I played at uh, this bar, which is uh, twice the size of this. You go in like that, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to go far if you, you have know, that Confident in your abilities, prepared, but no ego, you know, and there to have a good time. And I think when you open yourself, you know, to the possibility of that, you're, you're more likely to find it. Yeah, confident but not cocky. Yes. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I would really hammer home with people um, and I do it in my regular life here working as a musician is have a list of songs that you know. If, if, if you're going to work as a sub, especially singers, um, you know, now I don't have a full master list of all the songs that I know, but I really should. Um, but it would be very, very extensive. It'd be well over a thousand songs that I could just play right now. Um, but I do have set lists and song lists from every single band I've ever played with um, that had a set list or a song list. I save them, whether they're on paper or in, in my computer. And, of course, I know those songs, so I can always go to that. But if you're going to work as a sub, especially as a singer, and the, you know, I would emphasize just really for singers, you, should, you need to have a list of songs that you know. If you're going to sub as a singer... Um, it's it's imperative because somebody else is going to be calling a show that's not you and they need to know what you know. And I've, I've run into that so many times here because I've used so many different subs here when I was running the band 
um, and you know still play with subs all the time. But for me, being organized as I am and wanting to run a, a smooth show, I need a set list. I need a song list from people. Um, so it's a good practice to have. Do you have anything? No. Do you have anything like a, a list of a, a master list of everything you know? I don't have a written master list of everything I know, but from all the years of playing, I mean, it runs much like you. You know, it, it's it's maybe not quite thousands of songs, but it's probably close to you know almost a thousand songs over the years I've played. Because I mean, in all the different bands I've I have played in over the years, and the songs I've played. If you go through a night of set list, you know, let's say it's 50 songs, you know, and you've played with 10 bands, that's 500 songs right there, you know, just just from subbing, plus everything else that you already know from having played, you know, either on your own or at home or, you know, played along with a record when you were a kid. I mean, you know, there's the album's worth of material, you know, I mean, you, I can go back and look at, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, almost every Rush album. You know, I played too. And, out of, you know, I don't remember every single song of every single lick, but I mean, I could tell you, like, moving pictures, I could sit down right now with a Rush tribute band and play it front to back without a problem. You know? Right. It's right. ingrained. You just don't forget it. Right. Dio, Holy Diver was another album I used to play all the time. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Uh, Zeppelin. You know, there's just certain songs that you've played so many times, you'll never forget them. You know? That's kind of worthy of exploring, too, because the, the, the bands that you just mentioned, mentioned were bands that I grew up with playing along with, and I'm sure you did, too. And when I was learning songs when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking like, a, like I do now, like it's required for the job type of thing. I was doing it because I, it was fun. I want to, like, I would hear a song and I, I want to know how to play that. And I, I wonder if that was just that alone, that motivation alone is what really made it ingrained in me and in you. What do you think about that? That just, just approaching yeah. it as fun and not work, you know? C correct. Like, you know, we, you learn these songs, like I can remember figuring out fills, you know, on songs and then learning them note by note, not because I had to play them with the band or anything else, just because I, I would go home from school and I would play drums, you know, all, all day, every day. That was what I wanted to do. So right. I would get home, I would play drums for two or three hours every day until dinner then I would eat and do my homework and then go to bed and then wake up the next day and repeat, you know? And it wasn't until later when I got into bands. But at a very young age, you know, seventh, eighth grade, I was I was home shedding. And, you know, I see it now, uh, you know, with my youngest son, Cole. He's, you know, he goes down and plays drums. And he picks just songs that he likes to play. And then if he's, you know, 90% he, he, of the time he figures out everything that he needs to figure out. He somehow has the capability to play it. And then if he is struggling with the fill and I can hear him working on it, I can come down and show him the exact fill because of, like you said, my age and experience and just, you know, my ear to be able to hear it, you know, uh, a more mature listening ear than he has at 17. But, you know, we're, as we didn't have that when we were kids. There was no one to go to to say, hey, can you help me with this fill, you know, or show me this thing? Right. But I think, to your point, it becomes ingrained because – you want to play it, you know? Like I said, there was nobody forcing me to play. And I remember when Exit Stage Left came out with, with Rush, and I, I learned that album top to bottom, and I played it every day for like six months after school, top right. to bottom, right. you know? Right. To the point where I used to have a huge PA set up in my parents' uh you know, they had a bi-level, so you'd walk in the front door and you can either go up the stairs, you know, it's a living room, kitchen area, or you go down to the right, we used to call it a recreation room, a rec room. And that was where I had the band set up, and I had a full-blown PA with like you know giant eight like twin eighteen speakers with stacks with crossover and it was like blow the doors off volume, and 
after school, I'd have like 25 kids at my house sitting in that room and I would play Exit Stage Left, you know, top to bottom by myself along with the record. Right. That's cool. That's and it really was like cool. a, it was like a hang, you know, we're going to go to Tony's house. Dude's going to play drums. You got to come check it out. And right. it became like a community thing, too, with other musicians or even guys that didn't play in bands. You know what I mean? But it was word of mouth type of thing. And, oh, you're that guy. You're the drummer. Yeah, I heard about you. And, uh, you know, and, and it developed from there. So and then, you know, to your point, too, you're you're much different eclectic taste of music. You know, like you said, from Dio to Zeppelin to. Uh, once I started studying big band uh, with Sonny Igo, I would, you know, I'd be shedding that stuff for lessons, you know, but it was play along stuff. And that was always the thing where, you know, at a young age, I, I would have the charts to read it, but I would just listen down to the song two or three times and I would have it, you know, and I would develop it. And that was one of the things that uh, I, I had to really keep uh, abreast of because relying on your ear is great and it's not something that you you know you're born with that right so it's a gift but at the same time it can prevent you from learning how to read you know at that young age because i was like oh man it's gonna take me like two hours to figure out this chart and read it i can listen to the song and then you know right. under 10 minutes have it down right yeah that was me too i did the same thing because I, I started to learn to read I, I took music in college and and uh i was a music major and then i I learned it on piano. I learned learned to read a bit, but yeah, it's just I just wanted to play. I want like I can learn a song in ten minutes without having to read about it. But that's that brings up an interesting point too that I, I'd like to explore as well. Like the difference between that, what you're talking about, like when we were kids, and, and a lot of I'm sure most people our age that are still playing in one capacity or another experience the same thing because they we were introduced to all this these bands and and you know the the. Uh, the real rock star thing of, of these people. We had the posters on our wall and, and just, and wanted to emulate them. But now learning songs, that versus now, uh, like for instance, last year I, I played in a wedding band for uh, about six months and it, it, to prepare for that, I had to learn about 60 songs and I didn't have a lot of time. I had, you know, two or three weeks really. Um, and so that was work, you know, that's like, I, now I'm not doing this, for fun even though it is fun because i really do enjoy learning new songs sometimes it can get very very frustrating especially if they're difficult and this was a, like a wedding band i had to learn a lot of you know, you know involved songs so i ended up charting probably about 20 of them um just because i i, I have no choice i have to play this song right at the gig the first time um every time it's a wedding you know that's there's it's high profile a lot of pressure um so I I went I shedded these songs by either learning them there were songs I was familiar with in my head so I knew the arrangement and all I had to do was learn the the chord changes so the songs like that I didn't have to chart but I did chart a lot of songs and um I didn't write sheet music you know I just wrote simple charts with like uh just the the, the chord name the chord uh name and value um letter um and I can re I can write those easily and compactly, and there's actually programs on, on like uh, on tablets you can get that are do the same thing that you can write them. But I did it by hand, and I felt like doing it by hand. I would remember it easier, as well. Um, but there, I wrote a whole article about this, about tips on learning songs, a lot of songs in a short amount of time, and uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not going to go through those points. But one of them, and the first one that I put on there was turn off the TV. Because <laughs> a lot of people will do a lot of 
things, tasks with the TV on as background, quote unquote. Um, you need to turn it off. It needs to be off. You're, you're not going to focus on your material and, and the work you have to do with the TV on. And uh, it seems very elementary, but it is also very important. Yeah, I, I can't do that. I, I couldn't learn songs with the TV playing for sure. But I got a, a question for you. It brings up a point that you, you mentioned. Yeah. So when you're charting out 60 songs that you have to learn for the wedding gig and you're handwriting them and they're they're etching into your memory and you're, you're, you're learning them, do you find a difference from the songs that you learned with a passion because you wanted to learn them? Because I can find that like songs that I learned uh, when I was younger with no expectation or, you know, no type of um, pressure to learn it, right? I just, you know, picked the songs I liked them and learned them. And, you know, 30 years later, I may not have played, I may not have played that song in 25 years. But when I hear it come on, I know every fill, I know every nuance of it because I played it so many times at a young age and I learned it note for note over time. I didn't have to cram it. I didn't have to rush it. You know what I mean? And it became like ingrained to where you just don't forget it. So did you find that like on songs you learned as a kid, like Zeppelin or things that you were really attracted to that you have more ownership of as opposed to, you know, cramming 60 songs, you know, in a short amount of time? Yeah, that's a great way to characterize it. Ownership of it becomes part of you. Yeah, I can play, you know, I played in a Zeppelin tribute band about 10 years ago, and, um, you know, I could play any of those songs. When I got that job, I didn't have to even rehearse or, any, like, I didn't have to practice any songs, really. There were a couple I went through and refreshed my memory on, but I, when I went to audition for that band, I knew the songs already because that's what I, that's how I started playing bass. It was my first real huge influence in in music as far as rock music is concerned was led zeppelin and i wanted to learn everything um so yeah i mean i can still play a, a ton of those songs right now um and but yeah i love the way you you characterize that like um it it wasn't forced it came over time you know and um and it and it's fun you know, it's it, you because you like the song. If you like a song or if you love a song, it doesn't feel like work at all. It's like it's just fun. And there's so for me anyway, and for a lot of musicians, I just I love music before anything. Before me being a bass player, being a musician, being a singer or anything, I am a music fan. So that in itself just helps me to remember things easily. Um, once I learn it and then I have the, the the way I learn songs um if I have to do it for a job you know I learn it I, I what I'll do usually is I'll play along with it without trying to learn it I'll just kind of play along with it and and try to find the, you know fr find the key find try to find the chord changes the first th run through without pausing it without anything just let me let me have fun with this this is how I learn songs um now and this is how I did it for that band um and then, then I'll stay, I'll go all the way to the end. Then I'll go back to the beginning, and then start the work. If the, like if I need to learn the intro right, and I don't know it right, then I will work on the intro right there. And then, if it's a difficult intro, let's say, I'll play through it, uh, learn it. I'll make sure I learn it right, and then I'll keep playing through just that part, um, for you know until i get it right and then i'll keep playing through that part until it's like okay i don't really have to think about this anymore next and then move through the song that way 
in a linear fashion. Um, and then I always kind of back up, you know, to before the part of whatever I'm learning, whatever part of the song I'm learning, I always back up to before that and make sure it kind of refresh my memory on that other part and then go to this. And using that system has been very, very effective because uh, then by the time I'm, I'm done with that song, I've listened, played through it, you know, uh, all, dozens of times if, it, if it's a difficult song or if it's a song I, I didn't know before. And that doing that helps me to remember it even if I don't play Like if I go play a song now that I haven't played for six months, because of the way I learned it, I'm going to be able to uh, go back and, and play it right. So you, your uh, your whole system, whatever you use, whatever people use, is, is important, I think. If it's, yeah, you know. the system is different for everybody, right? Everyone has a different way of doing it. I know like when we learn new songs <clears throat> with the Weisenheimers, you know, certain guys in the band will shed the songs, you know, like go home and play with them. Like I know Jim will play the keyboard with the song, you know, he'll go home and listen to it. He'll play along, he'll practice with it, you know, and he'll get it together. Um, Steve will work on different guitar parts, learn the solo, you know, note for note and go through it. You know, my style with that stuff is I'll, you know, I'll put the songs in into a set list, you know, right. on my iPod and I'll listen to them in the car when I, while I drive yeah. around. Yeah, I was going to say that too. That's really the first step before I do anything is I put them, I organize them. I organize them in a playlist on, on my iPod and then, you know, name it that band playlist and then I just listen to it. The and you get the petition of it and you get to see, you know, the, the, the layout, lay of the land and, and you yeah. know, and then as a drummer, you know, I have, I have to know the, the blueprint of the song because, uh, you know, I have to lead the band through the arrangement, so to speak. And then if I have to sing the song on top of that, you know, once you learn the song, then you got to learn the lyrics, right? And after you've sung it a bunch of times and you're familiar with it, you know, then you can start to fine tune it. But that really is that repetition and that kind of, like I said, you're driving, you're in the car, you're not on the phone, you're, you're, you know, you're just driving. So it's easy to focus on listening to the music, you know, and you can rewind it. You can, you know, you can take one song and just put it on, on repeat, you know, and just keep running through the tune. And if you run through it four or five, six times, you do that a couple of times, you know, over the course of a week, you know, within no time, you know, the song. And sometimes I don't even play the song physically sit down and play it until we get to the gig, you know, because I know it already. Right. Right. Just, you know, from listening to it and the repetition of it, like they have ownership of it, you know, and even if, like to your point earlier, if you're a sub with a band, I'll get the set list for that band. I'm going to like with elevators, you know, when I, I sub with them, there was, you know, they had like 30 songs and I didn't really wasn't familiar with any of them. I knew them, you know, I've heard them on the radio. I could fake my way through it, but I didn't own them. And being the drummer as a sub in a band like that, you got to kind of own, own the songs. So I just made a set list and just listened to it over and over and over and over again, yeah. you know, driving around. Then by the time it came for the gig, you know, it. you, you, you have ownership of it. Yeah, but I don't. But I think even at that point, it's still not as ingrained as the songs you learned as a kid that you played a hundred times because you loved the song. Yeah, there's a a difference there, and I think that's what we're getting at here, right? Yeah, and you know, because I'm such a music fan, I still love songs. There's new songs that will come out, and I like I love this song. So, in in that same fashion, it helps me to remember to learn it easily and remember it just like when I was a kid, it's, it's no different now. Um, and I love music. So loving music is really a big, uh, big help too. And you know, what's to, cool too, is to you this. get exposed to other music. I, I can remember I was a big deep purple fan as a kid, you know, highway star and the mule and space truck and smoke on the water, all those tunes, you know? And I remember going into, uh, 
Sam Goody music store at the time. It was in Paramus Park. And they had like a discount cassette bin. So you walk in and it was like $1.99 cassettes. You know what I mean? And I remember just like rummaging through there and finding a metal church self-titled debut cassette and had a cool cover on it. But when I flipped to the back, there was a cover of Highway Star. So I bought the tape because it had Highway Star on it. Right. And then subsequently then was turned on to the band Metal Church, you know? And the song Metal Church had awesome drums, ton of drum fills. Again, learned that song, played it top to bottom for months on end. And, you know, to this day, when I hear that song, you know, I, I, I know all the fills and I know exactly what it is, you know? And I wouldn't have been exposed to that had it not been an influence from the Deep Purple, you know, and seeing the Highway Star and somehow the universe attracting me, you know, leading me to that that bin to find that because I otherwise would not have at that time, you know, been seeking that out. There was no YouTube. There was no Internet. You know what I mean? It was only right. word of mouth stuff. And then subsequently, when I bought it and I started playing it and then I learned it, then friends of mine heard it and then they bought the cassette. You know what I mean? All of a sudden it was like a, a kind of a movement in a way, you know, where people were getting turned on to other music that they normally wouldn't listen to, Yeah, you know, by chance. And then, you know, evolving from that. Right. It's just awesome, like you said, being a fan of music and, yeah. you know, the that come from it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a ton more stuff we can say about being a sub. And, and really, I would like to talk about this more because I, I want to yeah. put something out, out in writing for everybody to uh, uh, to have as a, a reference um, for things that, that help you if you're going to be a sub or if you're hiring a sub. So we, we kind of barely scratched the surface on this, dude. Uh, yeah, we could definitely come back to it because I think it's essential for everyone, right? I mean, it's 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 something that you know can only benefit you and, and the people you play with, you know, by having a, a knowledge of stuff and the comfortability and yeah. you know, it comes with time, right? You know, you're just learning how to play an instrument, or you're just getting into a cover band, just learning songs is a different environment than than being a you know uh, a twenty year seasoned player that has subbed you know hundreds of gigs. It just comes with experience and. You know, the first gig is always the toughest one, right? The first one that you sub for. But you learn from it and you keep going forward. Yep. And you, you do your best and, you you know, you come prepared, like you said. And you, you come with a confidence, no ego. Right. And, and, and you and try to enjoy it. Right. So I think our wisdom for this week is to make sure you're, yeah, you're enjoying yourself. You're loving what you're doing. Uh, being cool to each other uh, and being prepared. Go into um, things with confidence be you know not overly confident just be confident in yourself that you can do a good job and uh don't be afraid to to share your embarrassing moments because it happens to all of us and um you know the, it's it's something that we can all laugh at ourselves about so uh that's some pretty good wisdom for an hour in it absolutely you know and, and like you said take enjoyment in you know, learning and taking ownership of that song, you know, don't look at it as a chore or a task, but look at it as something that you're, you know, excited to do and welcome the opportunity to, you know, to be able to do it. Yes, sir. All right. That wraps things up. Wisdom. For this week. Uh, we will be back next week. I will be uh, playing all week starting tomorrow in New Orleans. And you're not playing until Labor Day weekend, right? Correct. All right, we'll talk about stuff next week. Facebook.com slash Coverman Central. Thanks for joining. And join the group, too. The group rocks.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 